I come in tonight and I thought, well, we're going to have about three songs, a special and a sermon. Amen. And uh, just what was on my heart tonight. And uh, so you pray for us and with us. Uh, so good to have Brother David Harrelson and his family uh, with us tonight. We appreciate this dear missionary brother and such a blessing. And uh, also good to have Brother Noah with us tonight. Amen. So glad you're here with us and uh, had some churches take you on. Is that correct? Amen. Isn't that a blessing? He's at 10%. And so that's what I've been running on all day. It's about 10%, but uh, it'll get you through. So we're praying that other 90 in, and that's a real blessing. We thank God for missionaries tonight. Don't forget Sunday, Brother Tim Green will be with us preaching both services, and we're looking for what God's going to do for us. Philippians chapter number 4 and verse number 1. The Bible said, Therefore, my brethren, brethren dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Judas and beseech Syntychus, and that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labor with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, uh, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Heavenly Father, Lord, I ask you tonight, if you would, to give us liberty these next few moments. I pray, God, that you would... Uh, bless us and help us tonight. And Lord, speak to hearts. Lord, I know it's Wednesday night, but you're just as real on Wednesday as you are on Sunday. And I pray that you'll move tonight in a mighty way. May you be glorified and may your son be magnified and may the church be edified. And we'll thank you for it. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want you to notice with me just a few quick things that Paul mentions in the early verses of this chapter. And then I want to preach tonight from verse number 7 on the peace of God. The peace of God. Notice he says that in verse 7, and the peace of God. Let me just mention a few things in the early verses and then we'll give you the message that God has laid upon our heart. Notice first of all, in verse number 1, I want you to see the passion uh, for this church. Paul uh, greatly loved the church at Philippi. You'll see his passion in verse number 1 as he talks about this church. Uh, he makes, tells us that this church was a distinctive church. As he said, therefore, uh, my brethren. You know, when you think about the church, the church is not a lodge tonight. Can I get a witness on that? Uh, listen, I don't believe a, a Christian ought to be a part of the lodge. Amen? Uh, we don't believe you ought to be a part of the masons. Somebody say amen. I don't care if you're a 32nd degree mason or if your wife's a morning star. Uh, when you get saved, you'll get out of that. Amen? You'll, you'll, you'll ch start, stop lodging down at the lodge and thank God you'll lodge at the church. Amen? Uh, but uh, Paul was a church man and when a person gets saved, I believe they'll be a church man or a church woman. And we find here that when he talks about the brethren, he's talking to the people of God, the church of God, the bride of Christ. And so his passion for the church uh, is seen here uh, in the brethren. This was a, a distinctive uh, a note that he gave here, or name should I say. And then when I think about his passion for the church, I see 
that this church was dear, as he says, dearly beloved. And he doesn't just say it once, but if you look at the last part of verse number 1, he says, my dearly beloved. And, and Paul loved the church. Uh, he had a strong passion for them, and they was dear to his heart. I want to tell you, I believe I'm preaching to the crowd uh, that the church is dear to your heart. I know there's some people that are sick and can't be here tonight. Some people are having to work and they can't be here tonight. Uh, but you're here because you want to be here. You're here on Wednesday night because you love the church. Is that right? Uh, and the church is dear. I'll be honest with you. I don't know what I'd do without the local church. Uh, I believe in the church tonight. And Paul had a passion. They was dear. They were delightful. Notice he said, uh, listen, that they were his joy. Amen. They were desired. He longed for them. Uh, he had a desire to go to the house of God. I want to tell you when God saves a man or a woman, he gives them a desire to go to the house of God. If you don't have a desire to be in church and you've never had a desire to be in church, uh, then you ought to check up tonight. Amen. Uh, because when God saves you, he gives you a love for the brethren and you want to be there. There's a passion on the inside uh, and this church uh, was dear and it was delightful. It was a diadem. Notice he called the church his crown. Amen. And that word crown, uh, it simply refers uh, uh, to the garland that a victor wore around his head uh, when he won, when an athlete won a race or he won an event. It was that crown. And listen, when Paul thought about the church, uh, the church was a crown to him. Here's a man that once persecuted Christians, uh, but now he loves Christians. Amen. Oh, what a difference when Jesus passes by. And I think about the passion uh, for this church. And then I see the precept for this church. Look at it in verse number 1. He tells this church to stand fast uh, in the Lord. Amen. I think that's a good precept for every local New Testament church in 2022. We need to stand fast in the Lord. Can I get an amen right there? It's not time to back up. It's not time to compromise. Uh, it's not time to water down the sermon. Uh, it's not time to blend the music. It's not time to change or dip our colors. Uh, it's time to stand firm and stand fast. Amen. And notice not only the manner of our stand, but notice the master in our stand. He didn't just say stand fast, but he said stand fast in the Lord. Amen. You see, if we're going to take a stand tonight, it needs to be in the Lord. Amen. I'm telling you, every stand we take, it needs to be based on the principles and the doctrines of the Word of God. And so I see here the passion for this church. And then I see the precept for this church. But notice the problem in this church. In verse number 2, Paul says, I beseech Yodas and beseech Syntyche and that they be of the same mind in the Lord. Now Paul, in this text here, there's two women in this church that can't get along. They've obviously got some differences. Listen, they may be sitting one on one side of the church and one on the other side. You know that happens in a church, amen? You can go ahead and hide your halo and tuck your wings in. You know it's happened in this church and it's happened in every other Baptist church. You just ought to thank God Paul's not your pastor, amen? Because I'll preach on it, but if Paul was here, you know what Paul would do? He'd just call them two women out and just say, you need to be of the same mind, amen? I think Paul ought to stop by a few churches nowadays. Only problem is it wouldn't be two. It'd probably be 20 that Paul would be calling out. And I look at this verse and I see the problem. And I want you to notice in this verse, look at the brokenness of Paul in this verse here. When he calls their name, he puts the word beseech before each one of them. 
Uh, Paul said, I beseech, I beg you. It shows the brokenness, the humility. When Paul got ready to deal with this issue, he dealt with it in the spirit of humility. Uh, Paul did not deal with it with an angry spirit. But even in this letter that was given, I mean, can you imagine everybody coming to church and everybody gathering to hear uh, Paul's letter? And Paul's wrote four chapters as we broke it up. Uh, but Paul's wrote this letter to the church of Philippi. And they get down to the last few parts of the letter and Paul calls their name out. I mean can you imagine how that probably brought a gasp in some of the crowd. It probably put shock in some of them. But he did it with compassion. He used the word beseech but he also did it with boldness. Paul was not afraid to call out sin when it was in the church. Amen. You see what this verse proves is that when something gets started you need to deal with it before it has a chance to ever grow. Paul dealt with it when it was two before it became 20. You can't let a problem, problems don't go away. Pastors don't want to deal with issues. I mean, who wants to deal with them? I mean, just that's just common sense, isn't that right? But when something comes up, you just got to go ahead and deal with it right then for the sake of everybody, even those that are involved. Paul was not wanting to hurt these women. He was wanting to help these women. And so before the problem grew like a cancer, he just went ahead and called their names out. Now that probably made whoever else was there think twice about having differences in the church. But you know what Paul they knew Paul loved them and Paul cared for them he didn't want to hurt them he wanted to help them and a real man of God wants to help the church he don't want to hurt anybody and Paul we see his boldness but we see his balance here notice what the notice what he told them to do he said be of the same mind in the Lord in other words put your differences aside don't hold your grudge if you can't speak to somebody if you can't go across the aisle and shake somebody's hand if you're trying to avoid somebody. You need to get right. You need to be of the same mind saying you need to pull in the same direction. Can I get a witness right there? And thank God we don't have that problem and we don't want it. Amen? And so we see the problem in the church. We see the precept for this church. The passion for this church. But notice the partners in the church. He said in verse number 3, And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow. That phrase, true yoke fellow, simply means one who can work together. Isn't that amazing? Paul criticizes these, or corrects these two. He doesn't criticize them, but he corrects these two for their division. And then he turns around around and he compliments others uh, who are working together. I think Paul had the mindset of pointing out what they were doing wrong, instructing them of what they needed to do right, and then complimenting the rest of the church so that everybody didn't feel guilty, but compliment those that were working together as an example. I tell you, as a member, you ought to look across the aisle and find somebody that's a good example in the church and be like them. Amen? Don't hook up with somebody that wants to stir up trouble. Amen. Again, I don't know of any trouble. And if I did, I'd flush it out tonight by the grace of God so we could go on and have church. Can I get a witness right there? But I'm telling you, I thank God we don't have a bunch of fussing and fighting and arguing here. I'm glad people get along. Amen. That doesn't mean everything goes your way. It doesn't mean everything goes my way. But at the end of the day, you know what we are? We're in the same yoke together and we're pulling in the same direction for the honor and the glory of God. Amen. We don't have time for complainers. Isn't that them another church, don't they? Can I get an amen right there? 
You say, well, Brother Grabley, you, we ought to help them. You can't help that crowd. They got to get right with God, amen. And if all they ever do is want to stir the devil up, there's plenty of other places for them to go and stir up trouble. But by the good grace of God, we don't want to hear because it hinders the work of God and it hinders the souls being saved. Is that right tonight, church? I'm just simply saying we're partners, amen. We're not enemies tonight, but we're working together. And we see their cooperation. They were true. Tri- yoke fellows. Uh, he said help those women which labor. Notice their conduct. They were workers. Amen. With me in the gospel. With Clement. Uh, and then he also says uh, uh, which also others my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. They were converted. Amen. In other words these are saved people. You know it makes a difference when you're in the church if you're saved. Now some people have spent their whole life in church and because they're not saved, they work against the church. I'm convinced that you know this, Jesus spoke about it, there's tares among the wheat and they're miserable. They're always finding something wrong. You, you couldn't make them happy about anything. Why is that? Because they've never been born again. I'm going to tell you tonight, goats don't get along with sheep and uh, they don't have a shepherd. And they're, they're the natural minded, so they're, they're not spiritually minded. They don't care about the, the spiritual things of God. And we're to pray for them. We're to pray for their souls to be saved. But the reason that, that they were working together, one of the reasons was because they were converted. Amen. Uh, listen, that song, the songwriter said that old time religion, it makes me love everybody. Amen. I'm telling you, get saved and you get right with God, you'll love the church. You'll love the people in the church. Doesn't mean we always agree with everything, with each other but we love each other because we're in the same family born of the same spirit washed in the same blood got the same book and the same seed on the inside sealed with the same spirit going to the same heaven got the same hope got the same promise looking for the same Lord serve the same master I mean listen tonight it just goes on and on there's unity amongst the saints of God that are saved tonight amen And I want you to notice not only uh, do we see the partners in the church, but now I want you to notice tonight the peace in the church. I want to fast forward to verse 7 for just a moment. We'll come back to verse 4, 5, and 6. Because in verse 7, Paul says, And the peace of God. You say, preacher, why would you skip those verses and go straight to that verse? Because this is the peace chapter in Philippians chapter 4. When you go to James chapter 4, that's the war chapter. He talks about fighting and wars amongst you. And in this chapter, it's the peace chapter. He's going to emphasize the peace of God. If you've got a Rock of Ages Bible, he talks about the the heading there is peace through prayer, peace through pure thoughts, peace through trusting God, peace through the grace of God. Paul's going to emphasize peace all throughout the rest of this chapter here. And this is not just any peace. Look at verse number 7. Notice the source of this peace. Uh, He talks about, and the peace of God. Amen. Hey, this is... 
God's peace. Amen. It's not the peace of this world. Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse 27, He said, Peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You see, the world can't give lasting peace tonight. The world can only give a false peace. Uh, but Jesus Christ gives a peace uh, that lasts for all of eternity. It's a real peace uh, uh, that'll stand the test of time. It is the peace of God. And we see the source of this peace. And then notice the scope of this peace. Uh, he said, uh, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding. Not some of our understanding, but all of our understanding. God has a way of giving peace even when we don't understand what's going on. He has a way of giving peace when we cannot see the outcome or find the answer to what we're searching for. The world would think we're crazy tonight to not know the end from the beginning, but yet to say, I have a deep, settled peace. You know why that is? Because they don't know God tonight. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 1 said, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. And when you have peace with God, then you can have the peace of God. And the peace of God, the scope of that peace uh, is that you and I will never face anything in life. We'll never go through anything in life that what God doesn't have the peace to give us uh, to help us through what we're going through. Isn't that a comfort tonight uh, to know that there's no storm, uh, there's no valley, there's no trial, uh, there's no trouble, there's no tribulation tonight, there's no heartache, uh, there's no headache tonight, that what the peace of God like a river can smother our soul uh, and give us the blessed assurance uh, that living by faith uh, is the only way to live, uh, that God will take care of you. Hallelujah. I say tonight the scope of this peace and then I see the security of this peace. Look what the Bible says it does. Shall keep your hearts and minds. You know what the peace of God does? It keeps your heart but then it keeps your mind. Thank God it keeps your emotions and it keeps your mentality tonight. You see, whenever you go through something, when I go through something, those are the two things that get shaken the most. Amen. I mean, we go through a trial or we go through some kind of trouble. I'll tell you what will happen. If you uh, get rattled or I get rattled and we don't have peace, uh, our emotions will begin to run wild. Uh, and listen, our thought process will begin to run wild. Uh, and the more we let our mind run wild, the more our emotions are going to run wild. And the more our emotions run wild, the more our mind will run wild. And I'll tell you what the peace of God will do, it'll keep, amen, and that word keep simply means to take into custody, and what happens is, is when we have the peace of God, it takes our heart and it takes our mind into custody it keeps us, hallelujah, I'm glad God knows how to keep you through the hard times of life, I'm glad God knows how to give peace when there is no answer, he knows how to give peace when there is no solution, he knows how to give peace when you don't know the outcome, he knows how to give peace uh, when the odds are stacked against you uh, and that peace is what keeps your sanity, it keeps your mind, uh, it's what keeps your emotions uh, it keeps your heart uh, it keeps you in the right direction amen you get a bad report from the doctor and the peace of God will allow you to say well I don't know how the outcome is or maybe you do know the outcome's not good but I know God's going to take care of me hey that's peace tonight isn't it that's peace that drugs can't buy you. That alcohol, that money, 
that fame and fortune and all the material things of this world could never do for you. The peace of God, the security of that peace. Well, what about the supply of it? We know it's the peace of God. How do we get it? Notice verse number 7. Through Christ Jesus. I tell you, if you want peace, you've got to know the Prince of Peace. If you want peace, you've got to be born again. And tonight, just because you and I are born again, it doesn't mean that at times that we don't like it. I mean the peace of God. If we've had peace with God, we can have the peace of God. It's in Christ Jesus our Lord. He wants to give us peace. But let's face it, Paul is not talking to sinners. He's talking to saints. And sometimes as saints... You and I don't always have the peace. It doesn't mean that God won't give it. It doesn't mean that Christ can't supply it. But sometimes we don't have peace. It's not the Bible's fault. It's not God's fault. It's not the Holy Spirit's fault. And the pattern for peace, for perfect peace, I believe is found in these verses leading up to verse number 7 tonight. Paul talks about it in verse 7, but in verse 4, 5, and 6... I think he gives us some simple instructions. That's a good pattern for you and I to have peace. You see, if you go through a trial, let's be honest tonight. If you go through something and you don't have peace, it's always good and it's always encouraging for somebody to come by and with the right spirit say, well, just you know, trust God, believe God. We, it's good to hear that, isn't it? And we need to hear that. But let's be honest, sometimes when people come by and say, well, you just need to trust God, sometimes that's easier said than done. It doesn't mean that what they're saying is wrong. doesn't mean they're saying it in the wrong spirit. But it's just easy for me. If you've got the problem tonight and I don't, it's easier for me to stand on this side and tell you to trust God than if it's on my end and you're telling me while we both encourage each other and that should be right. I'm glad the Bible takes it a step further. What God does is He gives us instruction. Amen? You know, that's what I love about the Bible is it's an instruction manual. Amen? It not only tells you the answer, but it gives you the formula or it gives you the pattern. It tells you how you can obtain what God said is yours. Amen? It's more than just a word. It's more than just a feeling. But thank God there's a pattern that Paul lays out in verse number 4, 5, and 6 that leads to the statement, the peace of God, in verse number 7. You say, what is that? Well, I want to say number one tonight, the pattern for perfect peace is a confident praise. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. If you're here tonight and you say, preacher, I don't have peace. Well, just start praising God. You say, but I don't have peace. But praise Him anyway. But I I can't do that. I, I feel so down. I feel so discouraged. But praise Him anyhow. It's right tonight. Rejoice in the Lord. Isn't it always right to rejoice in the Lord? If Job could do it in the ashes, if da- listen, if Shadrach, Meshach, and da- Abednego could do it in the fire, if Daniel could do it in the den, if Paul and Silas could do it in the inner prison, if John could do it on Patmos, uh, I'm telling you, if Jesus could do it on the cross, uh, my friend, or before the cross, uh, then you and I tonight can rejoice in God. What the Bible teaches us uh, is there's never a moment, there's never an hour, there's never a place, uh, there's never a time where 
it's inappropriate to rejoice in the Lord. I'm telling you, when you're smiling, rejoice. Uh, when the tears are running down your face and dripping off your chin, uh, you can still raise your hand toward heaven and rejoice in the Lord. Uh, it's right. Uh, and thank God it's real. Amen. I'm telling you, praising God in the valley is every bit as real as praising Him on the mountaintop. Uh, praise Him when the cupboards are full. Thank God it's good. Uh, but you can praise Him when you're broke uh, and you don't know where your money's coming from. Uh, I'm telling you, God uh, is still worthy to be praised. Uh, and it's just as real then as it ever has been in your life. I mean, I'm glad it's not just real at church. I'm telling you, but it's real at home. It's real going down the road. The devil tell you it's not real. Ask yourself a question. Have you ever rejoiced in the Lord anywhere other than church? Maybe in the car hearing a song. Maybe sitting at the house listening to a sermon. Maybe somewhere in the backyard it just got real. I mean God just gave you a song. He just gave you a message. Maybe it was reading your Bible and He just gave you a verse and it fed your soul. It lifted your spirit in such a way that you just rejoiced in God. And in that moment it was just as real as if you're sitting in the house of God on Sunday morning. That's how I know God's real. And because He's not just real here in these four walls but you can take him everywhere you go and there's a confident praise thank God you can shout at Walmart amen it may scare them half to death but you can shout down there just like you can at church I'm talking about a confident praise tonight here's the truth of this text if the only time you rejoice is at church you're not going to have a lot of peace in life Rejoicing for Christians ought to be every day. It's right, it's real, it's regular. Look what he said. Rejoice in the Lord always. Always. Make it a daily practice to praise God. Make it a daily practice to just rejoice in the Lord, to, to just talk about the goodness of God. I think if we spend more time praising, we would spend less time complaining. Amen. And it's to be repeated. He says, and again I say rejoice. I always wondered. I don't know why Paul put that there other than the Holy Spirit inspired him to. But I tell you, he said rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. He emphasized that. He emphasized you rejoice. You rejoice always. But he repeated it. Rejoice. I say praise in God. If it's good enough to say it one time, it's good enough to say it a thousand times. Isn't that right? I'm telling you, you get up and testify. You know what the devil tell you oh they've done heard that you say that every time you testify how many times the devil ever told you that amen he tells me that preaching he tells you that testifying I'll tell you if it was good enough to say one time I'm glad I'm saved it's good enough to say it 10,000 times you ought to still be glad you're saved if God was ever good to us once and he has been you ought to rejoice again amen I'm talking about a confident praise a praise that rejoices not just some of the time but a praise that rejoices all Always. You say, preacher, I want to have peace. I'll tell you how to have peace. Start tonight if you hadn't already. Start praising God. That will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. How about it tonight? When's the last time you just praised God? Rejoiced. Thank him in the morning time when he wakes you up. Thank him throughout the day. Thank Him over your meal. 
Thank Him. There's all opportunities. Praise Him going down the road. Praise Him when you're around people. Praise Him when you're by yourself. I'm telling you tonight, if you want to have peace, just spend your days praising God. Find something good uh, to thank God for. It is not that hard. You don't even have to hardly think about it. I'm telling you, God has been so good to us. He let us see another day this side of eternity. He let us live throughout this day. He kept us safe throughout this day. Isn't that wonderful? He kept us healthy another day here on earth. He's blessed us with a roof over our head and shoes on our feet. Nobody has starved to death in this room today. God's given you something to eat. He's given you a good family. He's given you a good church to go to. He let you be born in America. Let you hear the gospel. He's let you be saved by the grace of God. Put the Holy Spirit on the inside. Gave you a home in heaven. Gave you the peace of God. Gave you the love of God. He didn't have to love us, but He loved us anyhow. He's gave us mercy there new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. We got up because He never went to bed. Hallelujah. I'm telling you tonight, He don't slumber. He don't sleep. There's a whole lot of things we could just be confident about. We could thank Him for Calvary. We could thank Him for the Word of God. We could thank Him for the promises of God. We could thank Him for the truth of God. We could thank Him for the ability to hear that truth. We could thank Him that in Him we move and we have our being. There's so much we could just praise Him for. We could praise Him for who He is. He's like she said. He's wonderful. He's the everlasting Father. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the mighty God. He is good. Hallelujah. He's better than I deserve. He's the greatest of the great. He's our Creator, our Master, our Lord, our everything, our Redeemer. He is just wonderful. Bless His holy name. It's just confident praise. He is a good God, an everlasting God, a blessed God. He's holy and He's righteous and He's true and He is worthy to be praised tonight. It's not hard. It's not hard. You know why? Because He's so big and He's so vast and He's so wonderful and He's so holy and He's so strong and He's so powerful. He is God and besides Him there's just none other. Hallelujah. It's confident praise tonight. We'll never wear it out, will we? I'll tell you, you can be feeling low and don't have peace. You know what the devil does? He takes our problems and he puts them under a magnifying glass and shoves it under our nose and then brings up every possible worry we can think of on earth. All as a distraction to not think about how big our God really is. A confident praise. A clear proclamation. Preacher, what's God's pattern for perfect peace? Look at verse number 5. Not only a confident praise, but a clear proclamation. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Isn't it good to know the Lord's at hand? Well, I'm glad I'm not in the hand of politicians tonight. I'm glad I'm not in the hands of the U.S. government. I'm glad I'm not in the hands of of organized religion tonight. I'm not in the hands of, 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 of men tonight, of man. But thank God, the Lord is at hand. I like that old song that says, uh, uh, just in a moment, He could pull back the curtain, amen, and we could all be gone. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, uh, for every hilltop and for every heartache and for every trial and every uh, valley that we ever walk through, uh, one sound of the trumpet, thank God, uh, in the moment, the twinkling of an eye, and it's all going to fade so fast out of view. Uh, we 
won't even have time to think about it, let alone ask why this or why that. I'm telling you, once you step foot on the other side and you see what heaven has to hold, amen, we won't care anything else about this life. We'll just know it'll be glory for all eternity. There'll be no tempter and there'll be no sin and there'll be no sorrow and there'll be no sickness and there'll be no more trouble and there'll be no more strife. It'll be peace and tranquility on the other side, on the hills of glory. We'll shout and we'll sing and we'll praise His name and we'll bask in the sunlight of the Shekinah glory of God. Won't it be wonderful there having no burdens to bear? I'm telling you in just a moment everything could go as dark as midnight to a beautiful sunrise on the other side. Jesus is coming again. Hallelujah. That gives me peace. Amen. It gives me peace to know that he could come before I pillow my head tonight. And I see it in this verse here. Preacher, how do you have peace? You got to look for his coming. You got to long for his coming. A clear proclamation. The Lord is at hand. But Warnock won the election. So they say. I believe that about like I believe the moon's made of cheese. The Lord's at hand. This world's turned upside down. I wish we still lived in the America of old. But the Lord is at hand. Thank God there's no elections in heaven tonight. There's nobody running for office and there's no parties over there except the one we're headed to. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm talking about how to have perfect peace. The pattern for it is a confident praise, a clear proclamation. And then notice verse number 6 tonight. A consistent prayer life. Look what he said. Be careful for nothing. You know the word careful means anxious. Be anxious for nothing. Don't let anxiety rule your life. He talks about this prayer life. He talks about the amount of our prayer life. But in everything. What should I pray about? Pray about everything. In everything, let there be a season of prayer. Notice the approach by prayer. Just simple prayer. The agony, supplication. The attitude with thanksgiving and the asking, let your request be made known unto God. You know what I like about verse number 6 is that he tells us not to worry. Be careful for nothing. But then he, again, he lays out a perfect way, a perfect manner for us to pray. He said, just take everything. Is it too small to pray about this? No, it's in everything. If I told somebody, they would think I was crazy or that I was silly. Well, God said it everything. Well, how, I'm not a person of, of great prayer. I, don't, I know how to articulate words. I, I, I can't put a lot of, uh, of... I make a mess of my prayer life. The Bible just says by prayer. Simple prayer. Preacher, I got so much anxiety and worry and stress about this situation. Supplication. That agonizing, that, that, that petitioning with God. You know what agony does? It releases stress. You go to God in prayer and you get down on your knees alone. You shut the door and you agonize over something. You, and you weep over something. You know what you're doing? Those tears and that. You know what it's doing? It's letting that stress that's bottled up inside. All that anxiety you're worried about, you ought to turn it into an old-fashioned prayer meeting. 
Instead of worrying about it, weep over it. Get along with God and weep about it. Tell Him every ugly thing you can think of about it. He already knows it anyhow. Invite Him into every dark corner of fear that you have about that situation. Just tell Him all about it. That's what David of old did. He approached God that way. And then after you've agonized, then just thank Him. You see, you won't leave depressed if you don't, don't, when you agonize and you weep about something, don't just, don't stop there and go out. After you've agonized and you've laid it all out, you've told him all your worries and fears, then just start saying things like this. Now, Lord, that's how I feel, but I know you're able. I don't feel like it, but I know you're able because your word says you're able. You're able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I could ever ask or think. And Lord, I don't know how you're going to do this. Don't know when you're going to do it. Don't know what way you're going to do it. Don't know if you're going to do it. But I'm going to go ahead and thank you in advance. I'm going to go ahead and thank you, God, because you've been better to me than what I deserve. You're such a good God. Just thank him with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. Lord, I'm troubled about this. Lord, this is, it, Lord, it's created anxiety. But God, I'm giving it to you. I'm just telling you how I feel. Lord, it, it's ruled my life. God, it, it's, it's, it's took a hold of me. But I don't want it to take hold of me. I want you to take hold of me. I want to be ruled by peace, not worry. I want to be ruled by, 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 by confidence in you, not confidence in, in what I can do. Lord, I surrender my will to your will. I know, God, you're going to take care of me. God, you are the answer. I'm telling you, prayer works tonight, friend, uh, in a consistent prayer life will give you peace I don't float on a cloud of peace every day of my life but I can tell you this when trouble's on my trail and when I don't know what to do I'm glad there's somebody bigger than me that I can go to and lay my petition before God and say God this has turned me upside down but God would you help me and can I tell you he always knows how to take that prayer and give you peace in the midst of it tonight hallelujah and it'll help you with your fears and anxiety. I understand people have to sometimes resort to people. There's, there's physical problems. I understand that. I'm not, I'm not critical of that. But I'm afraid that too often we search every other avenue for an answer when the simplest answer is the best answer. As the songwriter said, Take thy burden to the Lord and leave it there. Leave it. You say, how do you leave it? I'll tell you how you leave it. You give it to God and then every time, because it's going to come back up, rest assured. But every time it comes up, you remind the flesh, you remind the devil. Oh, Lord, I, I, I gave that to the Lord and I'm not going to worry about that no more. God, you remember I gave that to you right here, right then. And God don't need to remind him, but we need to say it. It works tonight. Because the flesh can't help but worry. The flesh can't help but stress. But God uses that in our life to teach us to pray, doesn't he? A consistent prayer life. In every prayer list, they ought to be things that are so big that if they ever get answered, it'll only be God that can do it. We ought to pray about everything, but we ought to have some prayers that I'm telling you, if that happens, it'll only be God. There's no other resource on earth to, to answer that but God. And he'll do it because he's faithful. He don't, just, he don't just get you by. God will do. He will, he will answer. How many of you believe God answers prayer tonight? 
Now, you don't have to raise your hand on this one. But it don't take a lot of faith to raise your hand on what I just asked you. But right here is where it comes to. How many of you don't raise your hand? How many of you believe God will answer your prayer tonight about that need, that worry, that burden? I'm telling you, he'll do it tonight, won't he? In his time, his way. Let's stand tonight. If you need to come, it's Wednesday night. You don't have to come. But if you've got a burden, you need to come. Give it to God tonight. He will. He wants to. He's more willing to answer than we're willing to ask. That's how he works tonight. My brother Sam sings, you just obey him tonight. Far away in the depths of oh, he'll give you peace. my spirit tonight rolls a melody. God don't have to give you an answer. He just gives you peace because he is the answer. 